Good evening, my name's Mike. I'm a compulsive eater. Okay, open the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Okay. Um, topic of this workshop is step 10, um, Saturday, 9.30 to 10.30. My name is Mike, and I'm one of the leaders for this meeting. The other speaker is Rebecca. The session, oh my God, Ugh. session is being taped. Doo, 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 doo. And I kind of knew that. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm really, I'll just have to be, this is a program of honesty. I'll say the lot's been going on in my life and extremely exhausted right now. So, you know, what you're going to hear is just a little bit of dry energy here. But that's, you know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I'm sure I'll get some, hopefully some of us will get something out of it. Um, please note that this session might be available online or on a podcast feed. Anyone wishing to remain anonymous should use a fictitious name. Will someone please volunteer to be the timer? Okay. Okay. All right. Um, once again, my name's Mike. I'm a compulsive eater. Uh, just to sort of kind of talk about it. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people in terms of program. I'll talk a little bit about my background here first and, you know, what my history is in recovery. What? How much time? 20. Yeah, give me a warning. Yeah, give me a warning. Um, you know, before I launch into the step, I'll just let people know a little bit about who, who I am, where I came from, and what, what it's been like for me. Um, ever since, you know, as a kid, I remember, um, I came from a family of, I, there weren't obesity of a family. In fact, my mother, and this today is like one of the big issues I have, and one of, it's kind of an interesting segue because one of the things I had to unlearn about a 10th step is that it isn't always looking at everything I did wrong. One of the, the issues I've had with the 10th step is not beating myself over the head and just sort of being in this place where I could look at myself and my life in a more honest, open fashion. And um, so, you know, that, that, that's really kind of what, where it started for me. Um, in terms of, um, you know, where my addiction started, I, I think the first thing I got addicted to as a kid, I remember manically eating Cheerios. I don't know what it was about Cheerios, but my mother used to give it to me. And this, it's, it's a very early memory because when I was two or three, we left an apartment that I lived in in Porchester. And we just grabbed the stuff and run around manically and just really kind of crazily enjoyed doing it, you know. And that was really kind of where I was at with things and what I was doing. But I, I never really learned as a kid, how to validate myself. I, I was given a lot of things. I came from a very kind of a, privilege, a very privileged background, brought up in Westchester, White Plains, New York. I still live there. And um, every, Jesus, you know, um, and I had a lot of the advantages that most people have, but, um, you know, I, I just didn't learn how to, like, sort of treat myself well and treat myself right. And food became sort of a, a way, one of the things I would use to sort of hide out from people because I didn't feel good about myself. 
It was one of the things I used to sort of push people away. It was one of the things I used to just sort of, you know, hide from the world. And I've noticed that that's something that's kind of important for me. Like the more, you know, the, the better I feel about myself, and that's one of the things that program sort of teaches me, and the more I'm able to honestly sort of take an inventory and look at myself, the less food becomes appealing to me, the less interesting it becomes, and the less of how things kind of work like that. So um, that's like what's really, you know, kind of an issue with me around food at this point. Um, you know, as I said, you know, to get to the steps, as I said, I had one of these backgrounds where I, you know, started over. It didn't get really heavy till I was went to college. It sort of segued with other drugs I was using. I was using a lot of grass, which I think became my drug of choice, partly because it's one of the few drugs you can use that makes you want to eat more. And um, it was just one of the things that sort of like became something I would do to sort of keep people away, not feel good about myself, and not sort of take care of where I'm at with things. And I've noticed since being in program that when my abstinence gets sloppy, it's because I'm not really, really working other areas in my life and not taking care of myself. You know, even under stressful situations, the food becomes less important to me if I'm taking care of myself and doing things along those lines. So, you know, that was really kind of, you know, what food did to me. And it was a different kind of addiction than drugs. Drugs I sort of bottomed out on when I was very young and came into recovery at a very early age and drugs and alcohol. But with food, it was more subtle. Food kind of was one of those things that I remember using excuses to eat even when I started in recovery programs. I'd want to push people away. I'd wanted to, you know... You know, I, I thought it, I, I was either overeating and not concerned about how much I weighed or afraid to look at the scale, or I was at a point where I was doing a lot of restricting. I went from restricting to sort of abusively eating and not taking care of myself at all. And that's kind of been a pattern with me, you know, with it, that part of it, using a 10th step was getting balance. Um, so, you know, as I said, I hit a food bottom at one point, you know, where I was, you know, 53 years old and still living like a kid. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I took some stabs and sort of joke stabs at a few things, but I wasn't sure about it. I wasn't capable of having relationships with myself, with other people, and doing things along those lines. So um, that, was, that was kind of where I, would, where I was definitely at with things. Um, in terms of, you know, and I, so the, what I had to do, as I've heard in other programs, to get to step 10 is start with step one. Step one for me, you know, you know, I couldn't really, in a way I started step 10 before I was formally, um, what, what, what you call it, I could, I started doing something the first time I stopped blaming other people for things and could start looking at myself and saying, my life is a mess because of such and such. My life is a mess because of where I'm at and what I'm doing. Um, that was really where, where step, step 10 started for me. Um, I remember when I hit my bottom, and I, one of the things that sort of hit my bottom was when I weighed myself, I weighed about 300 pounds at the time. I'm about 220 now, 225. I'd been maintaining this pretty much this level of abstinence for about six years. And... Um, what happened was it wasn't so much that I weighed myself and saw that. I remember going to a doctor's office, kicking the scale and saying, oh, expletive, and walking and, and, and just kind of walking angrily in the street. 
And I went, I had gone, done a stint in OA years before, like about 18 years ago. I don't usually mention that because, you know, I kind of did it as an extended diet. But what happened was at that point in my life, I just sort of like thought my folks were coming up from Florida. I had to lose weight before I saw them. I remember I went to OA years ago and I saw this guy that lost a lot of weight quickly. So I said, okay, I'm going to go to this program. I'm going to lose weight quickly and my life is going to be wonderful again. You know, everything's going to be grand and everything's going to be this and everything's going to be that. And I'm going to get, you know, all these things. And um, but, you know, what happened in, in step one, which kind of began step 10, is I had to look at myself honestly. And then after a while, I started thinking, this is not a healthy way for an adult male to act. This is not a healthy way for an adult male to be. So that's when first the first step came in. And then the second step was, I'm powerless over food. My life's unmanageable. I can't control my thoughts. I can't control the way I am, who or what I am. I can't control the way I'm dealing with things. That's the second step. I can't, I can't, I'm not one of those people, you know, OA, there's nothing wrong with dieting. It just doesn't work if you're an addict. You know, I can't use willpower. I have to start believing in something greater than me. And then there's step three. And with four and five, it's based, I've done it a number of different times, a number of different ways. Um, you know, after the first, fourth step, which for me was autobiographical on another program, this program it was the workbook, any sort of tenth step, by, anything I do written after that's a tenth step. But with four and five, it was just really looking at who and what I am. Instead of talking about it, writing it out, and then sharing it with another person. Six and seven, then that got me aware of what sort of things made me trigger, what made me think. And that's where the ongoing work can kind of come in with things, of just being back in that place, of just really kind of saying, this is it. And, and seeing what the defects are, and that they're not just words on paper, they're things I became comfortable with for years. They were just ways that I behaved that just didn't change around at all. And um, so it's... And that's what happened with, with that. Step eight and nine was that I had to change my behavior, go to the people I'd harmed and sort of say to them who, you know, I'm not the same person anymore, be willing to pay back things when I wanted to, be willing to do different things like that. That was really what step eight and nine was about for me. Um, and then it comes to step 10. It's the first of the maintenance steps. It's a step where you really sort of look at where you're at and what you're doing. And, and what's going on. And it's not so much what I'm doing something wrong. Sometimes it's how I feel about things. A lot of times I might not be doing anything wrong, but I think I'm doing something wrong. And that's kind of, you know, where things are at. Like I said, I got in recovery. I've switched careers into a completely different direction. I'm now, now a teacher. I teach English as a second language. I... Um, you know, and, and my life has gotten busier. I'm starting to date, which is, that's an area I really avoided big time. I was pretty much sexually anorexic, and now I'm dating and starting to get active with that, um, meeting different people. I started expanding, getting out in the world again. And sometimes, you know, I got into, life has kind of given me different lumps where I get challenged in different ways. And now, you know, I'm a, sub, I'm a suburban guy who's now, like, for a short period of time working in the South Bronx, teaching people who are really new coming in language skills for, you know, for a short class. I've been able to do things like that. I've gone to different parts of the world abstinent and been able to stay abstinent. I've been to Costa Rica abstinent. I recently went to Scotland and found different meetings. Been able to sort of find and do these different things. But an inaccurate tenth step sort of looks at all the negative things that are going on because I've gotten poor Mike who's had like things given to him on a silver platter has to cut 
has decided to be a man and go out and make himself busy again and inconvenience myself. I couldn't go to Portland for the whole weekend, you know. I had to kind of like come for part of it, you know. And, and when I got here, I couldn't, I didn't have the, you know. And, but this is a disease that my mind tells me. I'll, I'll never be able to speak to this woman because she works during the day and I work at night. Well, why don't you just call her while you're here? Okay, boom. That was it. You know, there's things like that that just, there's this thing of you never did this, you never did that. And that's not working a tenth step. What a tenth step is, is just looking at what I need to do and what I don't need to do and not judging it, but correct it. If my weight goes up, just correct it. And there's been times that it has, you know, I haven't really like paid attention to certain things. I was, went through a period of isolating where things got sloppy for me. I had to get some new clothes again. But, you know, that's just a sign to sort of pay attention to things. Um, you know, you don't beat your, you know, you don't think of myself that I am the problem. The way to work a stamp is this is something that needs to be changed. And one of the beautiful things about the stamp that the big freedom is, is that even after going through the first nine steps, there's enough wisdom to say that we are going to be wrong. That's why you do a tenth step again, or we are going to need to alter things. We need to do things. There's, and there's so many different ways. Today at this convention, um, in terms of, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but in terms of what I was talking about, I did something 12-stepping a problem. That's one way of, workshop way of doing it. There's, you know, big book formats of doing it. There's all sorts of formats of doing it. And I'm a little, maybe I'm just a little too tired. I don't remember actually every format I used. But I will say that, you know, it's really sort of saying this is where I'm at and this is what I do now. And as long as I have that principle of just being honest with myself in an objective way and trying to be as objective about it as I can and trying to look, not avoid the things that I need to look at, but to really look at them, you know, it's, it's owning yourself. It's, it's also some of its self-care. Some of it's saying I deserve certain things. Some of it's being able to say if I didn't take care of myself in a relationship, I can, I can set boundaries again. I, one of my character defects is I'll sort of say yes to things without thinking it through. I can, I can take a step back and say, wait a minute, I didn't think about this. Let's do this again. Another character defect might be, you know, me just thinking about me too much. I can change that by just talking to another person. Somebody at the convention today suggested the idea of that whatever thoughts I have of myself think the opposite, you know, and... Um, it's, you know, it's really important to acknowledge the things I've done. I mean, since I've entered the program, I've also started therapy again. I, started, I hadn't done men's work in a while, but I've started doing that again. And I, I, I found I needed certain kind of natural medications for that. I'm in contact with people there, you know, and I'm, and I'm out there. And I, and I have a chance to, do, to be of service now with this thing I'm doing in a way I've never thought of before. It feels very big to me. You know, it's kind of frightening in a way that they're even, even for a short time asking me to do this, you know, <clears throat> as inconvenient as it might seem. But it's also, I forget about the, <laughs> well, I didn't, you know, I didn't sort of like think South Bronx when I got into that, when I came in the program. It wasn't like my ideal neighborhood, but, <laughs> but it's still kind of, you know, it's interesting to sort of do things in different places in, in, in whatever. You know, it's interesting to sort of have the opportunity to try different things. Um, and this is just for, I've, you know, I've had all sorts of different places. I was at Scotland, like I said, Scotland over the summer. I've done a lot, I, you know, 
and it's when I do an accurate tenth step, it's kind of like before I came here, I was feeling kind of in my head. I was in one of those places where maybe I was drifting from program, and I wondered, do I really need to come to the convention? And I almost kind of canceled out. But what happened was I was one of those people that bought the meal plan. And because I bought the meal plan, some woman from Ottawa called up and said, guess what, you can have a hotel room here. And then I said, well, it, you know, it's a pain in the ass. I'm really wiped out. There's too much traffic. Then I drive here, record time without speeding, in about six hours with a nice meal from White Plains, New York, to Portland on Friday. You know, there's things like that that sometimes happen when I don't expect them to happen. You know, I just have to sometimes not believe what my mind tells me. Not sort of, you know, the, the thing I got out of working the program is that most of the problems I have are basically things I've done or things that I, that, that I invent that may happen. It's my inventions about the future and the rejections about the past. If I say into what's happening now, most of, most of the things I can torture myself don't exist. But that's just sort of, I wanted to share a bit where I'm at, but also just what the 10th step means to me. It's one of these tools that you have to kind of do on a, daily, on a regular basis, sometimes written, sometimes daily, to, sort of, to really just get to that phase where it's not just not eating, it's feeling comfortable without eating. And that's the important thing about it. So I think, I, think I don't know how much do I have. I'm pretty much out of things to say. <laughs> Honestly, so you can go. Thanks. I'll take my pen. Okay. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Hi, I'm Rebecca. I'm a compulsive overeater and, and an addict, and uh, I need to remember that. Um, I'm kind of nervous. It's my first time speaking at a convention, so bear with me. Um, so, I just, uh, if I understand, they, they tell us that we should share our story for five minutes and then sort of speak to the topic, so I will try to do that. Um, my kind of, uh, I'm 50 years old, um, I just had a grandbaby, <laughs> so my first grandbaby, um, well, I didn't have him. <laughs> My daughter did, but I'd like to think he's mine sometimes. So, um, and uh, I I don't really I don't remember exactly when I became a compulsive overeater, but I I think um, for most of my childhood I had some sort of a hole. Um, maybe we could uh, we could you know say something cliche like because my parents were divorced when I was young, so I tried to fill that hole. Um, I've heard people sharing today about, you know, it was just never enough. So that was kind of me. I know um, my family, my cousins, they used to kind of call me the spoiled one in the family and stuff because I always wanted more, right? So um, so when I was um, a teenager, my mom, uh, who came out and became, after my parents divorced, my mother came out, and my mother is a lesbian, and growing up in a small a country town back in the 80s having a lesbian for a mom was kind of weird and um so life wasn't uh, easy and uh high school wasn't easy for me and uh, I turned to I turned to drugs in high school and then boys and 
So it was sort of sex, drugs, and rock and roll for me for several years. Um, and I, I didn't, uh, I finished high school, but I didn't finish college. I went to college and, uh, and when I, when I went to college, I moved, I'm from Montreal, but I'm originally from a really small town in Quebec. And, um, so when I moved from the little town that we were from to Montreal, I discovered food. I mean, you know, the, 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 the corner stores, we call them depanars. <laughs> in French, it's a depanar. But we and they, we anglicize it and call them depanars, and so we didn't have that kind of food in where I'm from, and and the the these stores delivered food and the restaurants delivered food, and so I really discovered food, um, and I met who would become my husband, and we became we were party friends at first, and then uh, we became eating friends as well, and uh, so for many years. My weight just sort of kept going up. And then uh, when I decided that I wanted to have children, uh, I remember going to the doctor, and uh, I had a miscarriage. And the doctor, I was about 170 pounds. I was about 5'8". And he told me, you better be careful. You know, your weight is going up. I would eventually reach 300 pounds. Um, So... Uh, eventually I had several miscarriages and so, and things just kept happening, you know, and as things happened, uh, food just became more and more the way I would fill that hole. And, um, in 19, uh, so in 1996, I gave birth to my daughter, the one that just gave me a grandbaby and, uh, she was born at 24 weeks. So, um, I spent a lot of time throughout her entire life in the hospital with her and it was food 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 at that point I'm not taking drugs or anything anymore so so it was all about food um and uh I remember just like I just lived on sugar and fat you know so I would and all day and um when she was about two years old I realized like this has got to stop um, and I was probably 250 pounds. Um, and so I, I, on my 30th birthday, I remember uh, my husband had bought me a birthday cake and I ate the whole thing by myself. And uh, so the ne- I, I had overheard something about Overeaters Anonymous. And I remember it was a coworker who probably heard me talking about all the different diets that I was on. And um, he... Uh, he said something about Overeaters Anonymous, and I remember thinking like it was, you know, the Fred Flintstone thing, whack, 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 like the the pig or something. <laughs> and I was just, anyway, so I, I f- figured out what Overeaters Anonymous was. And in Montreal, we don't have n- nearly as many meetings as uh, a lot of you guys do in, in the States. Um, but I found one, and uh, I joined. And for the first few years, I loved it. I was, you know, I... I I was on board, I would go to meetings, I would uh, do some service, I would be abstinent for a little while, and, uh, but then I would you know, break my abstinence, lose my abstinence, um, and I did that for many years, and then eventually I left, came back, and just tried diets, tried OA, tried diets, tried OA. Um, eventually I found a sponsor that... Uh, it worked for me, and I, I became abstinent. 
but I still wasn't really doing a lot of step work. I, I went, I dug out my books when I because I eventually left and came back again. And when when I came back this time, I dug out all my books and I had uh, all these workbooks. I, you know, I, I it looked like I was doing the right thing, but the books I hardly wrote anything in them. So I really wasn't working steps. I was enjoying the fellowship, and I was trying to lose weight. Um, so and I did that final time in around 2006 when I had reached 300 pounds I did lose weight I lost a lot of weight I lost about 120 pounds um, but I didn't learn anything um, because in 2008 I left and what happened from 2008 until two years ago was total chaos uh, so I, I, I don't I won't go into great detail but it was chaos um, so two years ago, I picked up the phone. I wasn't, um, so my husband, we divorced in the, that time. And then he, uh, after we divorced, he died of alcoholism. Um, you know, my, my daughter was growing up, but she had issues. And so there was a lot of chaos. And, um, because I had lost all that weight, I really thought that I had it under control. So, um. But my weight started creeping back up, um, and it took me a long time to. Uh, my weight was creeping back up, but I really, I, I thought, well, I'm not binging anymore like I used to. So I really didn't think I needed to come back to OA, or, or at least I didn't think, you know, I would be welcome back because I wasn't really binging. I thought the way I used to, but meanwhile, I'm gaining back a hundred of the hundred and twenty pounds. So, what was I doing? I was definitely overeating, right? Maybe binging changes with age, um, but it was still a, a problem. And so, again, nearly 300 pounds, uh, and that's just not healthy. I developed sleep apnea, high blood pressure. Um, I have arthritis. I have fibromyalgia. Um, you know, I've been pretty unhealthy for the last five years, and I let a lot of really bad things happen to me because of my low self-esteem. Um, I had a, a boyfriend that was physically abusive toward me. Um, so a lot of crappy things happen, and all because I have an emotional and spiritual problem that if I don't, that I don't know how to deal with. So I use men or drugs or food to deal with those problems. Um, so I started to try to get my life back in order because I realized things were out of control, but the food was the issue again. And uh, in January 2017, I don't know why, I picked up the phone and called my sponsor, who I hadn't spoken to in like six or seven years uh, because I disappeared. And... Uh, we went out for lunch, and I, that day I became abstinent. Like, I hadn't even gone to a meeting yet. I just went for lunch with a friend and became abstinent and stayed abstinent, and I've been abstinent ever since. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I knew, so when I dug out those books that I spoke of earlier, I knew that I had to do something differently this time around. I wasn't here for a diet this time. I was here because I, I now know, you know, I, after 
32 years of being an adult now, I know that I have an emotional problem. And so food is not my problem. Um, and so I knew I had to figure out a different way to work this program. So I dug out all those books. I bought new books. And in the, the last, um, since January 2017, I've gone through the steps three times uh, once in the brown workbook and twice with the new green workbook. And I'm doing an intensive step big book study. Um, and uh, my life has changed so much. Um, when, I, when I picked up the phone and called her, I had such anxiety uh, and stress. There's so much that goes on in my life around me that I can't control. Um, and... The only way I knew how to deal with those things was by eating cookies. And now I know different ways to deal with them. So after doing thorough steps, which I had never done in all those years that I was in program, I had never really, I went to retreats, I came to conventions, but I never really did my steps. So I, I and now, and I remember back then it was like, the steps was homework, you know, so it was just like, I, and I, so I wasn't a very good student because I never did my homework. Um, and now I, I finally learned, and I, I remember saying to somebody, like, we didn't say that back then, that the steps is a way of life. <laughs> it's not just homework, you know. Um, so to speak about step 10, now that I've gone through the, the all 12 steps many times, um, I finally started a few months ago. Each day I, I do a step 10 now, and I, I got the one that, <clears throat> the one I use is from the the um, the new green workshop, the 12-step workshop. So basically each morning I review because I'm too tired at night. Um, so I have a hectic job. I still have a 14-year-old son, um, and I have all the illnesses that I spoke of. So... When evening comes, I'm not ready to sit and do writing. So in the morning, I reflect on yesterday. And um, so I ask myself five things that I'm grateful for. Uh, and then I list five things that I like about myself. And that's been hard. Um, there's a few times that I just leave them the same as yesterday. <laughs> because it's hard for me to find things that I like about myself. But... As the months go by, I'm, you know, I'm starting to, you know, because in the beginning it was like, okay, I like my eyes, I like my car, <laughs> you know, and, and now I'm starting to be able to, to think about it a little more. And then the first uh, question is, today was I resentful? And this has helped me to realize I have so much resent. And um, when I came, when I signed up to be a speaker at the convention, uh, what I wanted to speak about, which I will speak about tomorrow morning, is acceptance. Because I learned what the, the, the two things that I had to do over these last two years was to accept my life the way it is, accept my eating disorder, accept my, my health problems, accept the people around me, accept that Stephen died. So there was a lot of things that I had to accept in order to be able to move forward and, and repair my emotional and spiritual and physical problems. So each day I have, I usually have something that I'm resentful about. Um, sometimes it's, you know, it could be just 
the way people park their cars at work or, you know, something silly like that. But sometimes there's big things, you know. So, and as I write about them, I already know the answer. Um, as I'm writing, I know that... Uh, Acceptance is usually the answer to my resentments because most of the time it's something I can't change. Um, then I ask myself if, I'm, if I was selfish. I ask myself if I was dishonest. Was I jealous? Was I fearful? Um, and fear comes up. Um, not as much as resent, though, for me. Um, and then restless, irritable, or discontented. Yeah, that one comes up. And then, I, and then it asks me, was I kind and loving toward all? Do I owe any amends? What did I do for others? What could I have done better? And what did, what did I do well? And so a lot of times, thank you, a lot of times, what did I do well now? Uh, I've been sticking to a food plan that has evolved over the last uh, almost two years. And I've lost 40 pounds. I, I really wish that the physical recovery was faster. But again, I have to accept that it's not. Because I'm 50 years old. I'm not 30 years old like I was when I lost 120 pounds. Um, so what did I... I walk now. I do... You know, I go swimming. I go to aqua fitness. So those are the things that I do well. I work hard. I take care of my family. Um, and then the last part, it says, God grant me freedom from. So I try really hard to um, think of others, you know, or think of things that will help others, not only to help myself. Um, on the way here, I was so nervous. So I was saying, please, God, grant me freedom from this nervousness. Like, I don't need to be nervous. I know that I'm with people who understand me and that aren't going to judge me. Um, so then it says, in, to uh, God, grant me freedom from and replace it with. So I, I list that. And then I pray for the health, prosperity, happiness, and well-being of whoever. And all the things I want for myself, I wish also be given to this person. Um, I, there's a thing in the big book about um, pray for the, you know, pray for the person that you dislike the most or whatever. And like, I have big issues with my my daughter's boyfriend, even though they just had a baby together. And so it's it's hard, but I pray for him a lot on there. And then there's days where I say, oh, I don't want to pray for him today, but I write it just the same. I pray for him and I, I write, but I don't want to, you know. And then I save that. It's, I do this on my computer, and I send it to my sponsor. We don't really talk about it. I just send it to her, and it's done. And I, on the days where I don't do that little exercise every morning, because if I get, you know, my son, he's a pain in my butt in the mornings, and if he's taking too long to get ready for school, and I don't get to do it, I, now it's starting to feel like I, I'm missing something in my day. So um, that is really important to me now, um, this step 10. So it's pretty ironic that when I arrived yesterday and they asked me to speak about step 10, it's something new in my life that I am doing, so I, I can speak about it. And I'm really grateful um, that I've learned in, these pa in this past almost two years to do these things uh, and just to 
accept my life, accept my illness, accept my eating disorder. Um, and uh, to, I have a peace of mind now that I never knew before. Even when things are really hectic and, you know, scary or dangerous or whatever's going on, because there's been a lot going on, um, I still have this little corner of my mind that is at peace now, which is not something I could have said to you two years ago. So thank you. All right, so um, this workshop will end at 10.30. We will now open the floor for three-minute pitches. The timer will signal you when you have one minute left. If you would like to share, come to the front of the room and form a, a line wherever, and you must sign this release form here. Um, tell us where you're from and how long you've been in OA. And we would like to remind OA members who are in other fellowships to speak only to your personal recovery. Uh, please stick to the topic of this meeting, which is step 10. And that's it. So. Hi, my name is Mickey. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, I'm from Montreal, Laval, uh, Quebec. And um, for my step 10, I, I recite the acceptance prayer. Because within that prayer, it asks me the people, places, things, and situations. And so throughout my day, um, when I come across my prayer, that um, I can, you know, go throughout my day and think, okay people. You know, who did I wrong? Um, who was I cross with? Uh, do I need to own amends? Uh, people, places. Um, was I in the wrong place at the wrong time or the right place at the right time? In that place, did I need to own amends to somebody that might have gone throughout the day? People, places, things things that have occurred, was it out of my control? Um, did I uh, have any part in this particular thing that might have happened uh, that, um, you know, was it God's doing or was it my doing? Was it something s selfish on my part or could I have done something better? Um, people, places, things, and situations. Situations that, um, did I stick my nose in where it shouldn't have been? Um, did I, um, trying to think of something else. Um, yeah, was I, um, um, you know, did I speak harsh to somebody uh, about a situation and, or, um, you know, that I could have, uh, you know, spoke harshly to, uh, I could have, you know, gone back to them and say, look, you know, it really, I wasn't being mean or talking harsh to you. I was upset with myself, and so I was lashing out. So this prayer, the acceptance prayer from the big book, really helps me go through my 10th step of the day. And um, I don't do it every day. 
Um, but And I usually do it at night um, just before I go to bed. So things are fresh in my mind. Um, and uh, knowing that if I've had an abstinent day, um, I can say to myself, you know, it was a good day. Um, I felt that I did God's will today. And, um, okay, time's up. So, um, thank you. Good evening, everybody. I'm Joni, and I am from Nova Scotia, compulsive overeater, been absent for 25 years, maintaining a 60 to 65-pound weight loss. Hi. Step 10, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Perseverance. What, is, what would be the sense of me doing all that work, cleaning up the past, if I was going to let everything go all to pieces again and be in a mess again. It's, it's just simply keeping my present cleaned up. That's what step 10. It's my walking around step. You know, when stuff crops up, because it does, it does crop up. You know, how can I stay abstinent? under all conditions. Am I... Uh, am I having some kind of an overdose of emotions? You know, those things have to be addressed. Because if not, I'm going to be driven back into the food. The pain of abstinence will become greater than the pain was when I was out there eating. And my old head will convince me, well, look, you might as well, if life's so miserable when you're abstinent, you might as well go back there eating. But through this, this work and um, just, you know, those step ten promises have come true in my life. You know, I ceased fighting ever, anything and anyone, for me, even the food, because Believe it or not, Sandy has returned. And, you know, when tempted, I recoil from it as from a hot flame, and so on. And those stepped-in promises only remain true in my life as long as I am fit in fit spiritual condition. And keeping my presence cleaned up is a big part of that. I'll pass. Thanks. Hi, I'm Megan. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, and um, I did want to say that when making an amends, I made my ninth step amends to my parents, my mother, and my father separately. 
and um, and uh, I do I do I do do a 10-step. I was doing one pretty regularly, uh, quite a while ago, and I would ask God, um, "Did I do something wrong today?" And uh, God would always say no. Because I was very hard on myself. So after a while, that got so boring. I thought, <laughs> I, mean, I guess things are okay, you know, which was never true in my life when I was 50 pounds heavier and binging and shame, ashamed of myself. So I thought, okay, well, God, you know, and that helped me make a better relationship with God because then God wasn't going to hurt me saying, you did that wrong. Like, like as happened my whole life until I was probably around um, 45 or 50. You did that wrong. You're wrong. Everything is wrong. And I thought, you know, God would tell me that too. This is where you have to do it right, you know. But because I did the ninth step very thoroughly, and um, I, I do the t- and I, I, I make amends right away. I, I promptly admit it. And this is what I say. I was wrong. And that's what I like to hear. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I'm 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 sorry. When 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 people uh once once in a while would come to me to make an amend, they would say uh, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. I thought what do you mean if? You hurt my feelings, you know, like to me that's not an amend. And uh, it's almost debilitating. Something wrong with you because I hurt uh, you. You were hurt. The other thing is, um, I'm sorry. Uh, um, uh, you felt that way. Something of that nature. No, I don't accept that. I do not accept that. So I'm saying, when you make these types of amends and promptly admit it, just be direct, simple. Simple and direct, very short practice. If you have to practice in front of a mirror, that's fine. You know, if you have to practice in your head, say it out loud. It's not easy, but it it, it really I appeal for directness. That's all. I'm I'm I was wrong. I'm sorry. That it just cleans it up. It does. You can never take back really what you said, but you can take back probably. 85 to 90 percent of it with a direct statement and you're not going to take it back if you don't have that i'm abstinent today thank you anyone else I'm doing a puppet show back here, but okay. <laughs> I'm Claire, grateful compulsive overeater. Been in the program a little over four years, giving back over 200 pounds. Very grateful to be alive, very grateful to the fellowship. Um, I'm a rageaholic by nature, or not, just like I was a food addict. So for me, spot check inventories are really crucial, and I've picked, learned a lot of things from other people. Um, there's a story in the OA storybook I love. It's uh, Food for Thought. And she uses spiritual time out, please. Stop. 
So I set my watch every day for a stop, and it goes off, and I inventory if I did anything during that time period that I have to go back and make amends for so I don't let it stretch out. Um, and, of course, the other thing I learned was that when I had resentment, bless them, change me. That simple, bless them, change me, right? And then, because I have attitude all the time, um, I came up with just something really simple for myself. Whenever I get attitude, I put a G and an R. God, I turn to my higher power, and recovery, I turn to the tools. And that's it, G-R, and attitude becomes gratitude. And so whenever I get attitude, I start immediately with a gratitude list. And the last thing I did, um, I was at a meeting in Ohio, and they wanted us to make up acronyms. And, of course, I had an attitude about making up acronyms because who goes to a meeting and makes up acronyms? But it was the biggest blessing I ever got because, again, I rage. Even if I don't do it verbally anymore, I weigh and measure my emotions now, you know? And I do it in my head sometimes, and that's just as bad as when I'm saying it. So the acronym I came up for myself with was TALK, right? Because I just say to myself, TALK. And all of a sudden, all that resentment and rage in my head calms down, and I let in my higher power. So talk for me is tolerance, acceptance, love, and kindness. And that makes it really simple for me. And, you know, I just have to do those spot check inventories because I can't let it linger through the day. Because if I let it linger, I'm going to start to resent myself more than anyone. I'm going to start to be angry at myself more than anyone. Because I hold my stand- myself to a standard of perfection. And I learned that that was a lack of humility. It wasn't that I thought of myself less than. I was thinking of myself as more than. I was thinking that I should do better than everyone. I should do this better. I should know better. I'm smarter. It was my lack of humility, and that's been a big thing for me in dealing with the 10th step. So just grateful, and thank you all for being here. Thanks. Anyone else? I guess we can end then. We'd like to thank everyone who attended this workshop. We'll close now with the serenity prayer. Just in time, Marilyn. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Not everybody